Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to second podcast of the week in the first ever Triple Bill separate episode. I'm Steve Norman, joined by Jerry McCauley. Hello. James Diamond. Hello. And Owen Hughes. Hello. Uh, so this week, to tie in with the London 2012 Olympics, our, the Triple Bill topic was to pick our favourite three sporting movies. So let's see how we've all fared, what we've all picked. I reckon there could be some crossover this week. We'll start with Owen. Okay, I don't know whether I'm going to get away with this one, though. I'm going to put it out there. I'm ready to judge you like an Olympic judge. (laughs) I've I've actually gone for a film I nominated on failed critics as the best film on TV a couple of weeks ago, which is Brewster's Millions. Can I get away with that? It's a better minor league baseball player. No, I don't. Wants to do it's, not, baseball. it's not a sports film, though. It's just <sighs> that just happens to be his career. Yeah, I can't. I, I really struggle to pick some decent sports films because everyone I thought about just had another it's, subplot. It, it's as it's as much you know a, a sports film as Star Wars is a film about moisture farming. <laughs> It's that such a film about moisture farming yeah. of all time. <laughs> That's going to be the only. Podcast I can't wait for that triple bill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's pick films that feature two sons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but but okay. it's, it's too late to make you change your mind. Go on, well, tell I, us about Bruce's. I did have a reserve. I had a reserve. Should I use my reserve? What is your reserve? Let's see which one we want to talk about. It's a very. I thought it'd be a very um, uh, uh, one that's prob- probably going to cause crossover. It's Rocky. I don't nearly put it on one of mine, but I didn't. But sort of crossover in that one of the Rocky films is in my list. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll do I'll do Rocky instead. Okay. It's actually a sports film by your strict, very harsh terms. I think. Um, uh, do we actually in Bruce's Millions? Because I can't remember now. I have seen it a long time ago. Do we see any baseball being played? Oh yeah. I mean, the whole. I'm going to say this anyway, aren't I? But the whole. <laughs> Sort of premise is he he just wants to play baseball. He's a uh, part of a, a baseball team. He's used to be a pro and he's just been left out of the team. And he comes across this opportunity to spend thirty million within three weeks. Is it three weeks? Shit, I've lost my notes for it now. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, I mean, what he does with the money is buy a baseball team so he can play baseball. We may as well just okay. do Bruce's bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm confused now. Okay, right. I'll do Bruce's Millions. It's so long since I've seen it. Yeah, but go on. I, I am not old, so I have not seen it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Sorry, well, Steve wasn't making the old jokes. Someone's got to make the old jokes. 
Oh, my God. Yeah, so I think it's one of, well, probably Richard Pryor's best film performance. Say that as a fan of Superman 3, and there aren't many of those. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so basically, as I say, he's a minor league baseball player. The idea is he has to waste 30 million in 30 days, 30 million dollars. He's inherited, um, 300 million from a, a, a rich uncle or relative he never knew he had who's passed away. The idea is if he spends the 30 million within the 30 days, he gets the whole 300 million, but he has to have absolutely zero assets at the end of it. Or he can just have $1 million straight straight up, and then that's it. So he decides he's going to spend the $30 million to get the $300 million. But all he wants to do is he wants to play baseball. He buys a baseball team. He sets up a baseball uh, game with some really famous baseball players in it. Um, And, you know, it's kind of a bit of a sad film, but it is also a comedy. John Candy is in it, who is on... Absolutely top four through the whole film. They're both hilarious, actually. As I say, I think it's Richard Pryor's funniest film performance. And also John, John Candy and him, they're just so good together. Uh, I mean, obviously Jerry's not in it, but does anyone else agree with that? Has anyone think Richard Pryor's done a better film? Um, no, I think, you, I think you're right there. No, he is, no, he's definitely at his best there, unless you count his kind of concert um, well, stand-up yeah. films, but but in terms of acting performance, no, this is is definitely his his most engaging screen performance. Oh yeah, I mean he comes across quite as a, a sort of vulnerable character, um, but also at the same time it's, it's very funny. He's very endearing character through the film as well. Some of the decisions he makes are quite relatable, um, and the problems that he goes through. Obviously, there's a love interest for the film. Of course, there has to be a love interest. Um, and she's sort of, I think she's the lawyer who's overseeing his spending to make sure that he, he's not cheating in any way. He is actually spending all of his $30 million. Because isn't he uh, not allowed to gamble it in the film? He can't just sort of He can't and... gamble it and he can't give it away. So he, yeah. has, he has to buy, actually spend it on things. So he, he does stuff like um, invest money into useless projects that he knows are going to fail um, and... Uh, he gives his um, money to people. He hires people on the extortionate contracts. The, uh, the, other, the other part of the rule is, which I've left out, <laughs> he can't tell anybody what he's doing. So all his friends yes. have just gone crazy. Um, which is part, partly where the vulnerability comes into it. Because, uh, yeah. so, you know, with his friends, he really wants to tell them what's going on, but he can't. Um, and it does try to make a couple of salient points to the film about uh, excess and waste of money and and all that kind of thing. And it, it, so it, it covers sort of social commentary on uh, capitalism quite well and the absurdities of the whole thing. But I suppose at the heart of it, it, it does have a few plot holes. It's, uh, I, it, it kind of reminds me of um, The Invention of Lion, the Ricky Gervais film. Yeah. It has a very, uh, you know, an interesting concept to it. Well, it does miss the mark slightly at times. Uh, it kind of skirts around what the whole concept is about to make it into a kind of just a generic rom-com, or in this case, a sort of rom-com sports film. I am, I'm really shoehorning that sports film bit into it. But, you know, I can't, I, it's a very funny film, and um, it, I, don't, I don't know really what else I can say about it to, to convince you guys that it's a sports film. 
I think the whole concept is that it's about essentially a man who wants to play baseball. He, he just loves baseball. And um, you, I would get on your back about the technicality, but I think one of mine is sneaking in on the technicality as well. So. Oh, here we go, bloody hell. I'll, I'll, I'll stick up to you then, Jerry. If you, if Come you on, this is a man who used to Shakespeare speech in great speeches of all time, having a compliment. Well, yeah, obviously. It's cheating. It's cheating. <laughs> What's the next film then, Owen? Next film, I've gone for another comedy, um, which is a Hong Kong comedy, um, but also a sports film, definitely a sports film. It's even got a sports game in the title. Oh, I know what you're going here. Yeah, yeah, Shaolin Soccer. Yeah. Stephen Cho, who I think oh, is brilliant. Jesus. <laughs> right, do you not like Shaolin Soccer, Jerry? Go on, I want to hear you justify this choice. That's what I'm interested in. More interested okay. than I was with Shaolin Soccer, anyway, let's put it that way. Okay. Basically, Stephen Chow directs and stars in uh, this comedy. He's a guy who probably more well-known to Western audiences as the uh, guy from Kung Fu Hustle. Yeah. He was Kung Fu Hustle. Um, so I think he's, you know, he's known as being quite good at his Kung Fu stuff and also getting comedy into it that's actually quite funny. Uh, and that West audiences can appreciate. Shining Soccer, it's not a perfect film. <laughs> there are a lot of problems with it. Um, but it, again, like I say, it, it, it's quite good at getting slapstick comedy across in a way that's just not terrible. <laughs> and Shining Soccer is, is full of that kind of thing. It's got, um, the story is essentially about these Shaolin monks who, um, I think there's five of them, they try to reunite by forming a soccer team. Uh, and they have to defeat the, uh, the, they're actually, their opponents are called Team Evil. They're, uh, their opponents in this soccer. <laughs> um, but they've all got obviously these secret kung fu powers and skills and they're used quite, um, uh, in quite a funny way, I think. And it draws them out through the film and it, but it, like, it, yeah, okay, so it is, it is quite slapstick, but there are things like, um, one of the guys who whose power comes out, he's quite a, a tubby guy, and he he sort of learns with a turn. He turns the ball into like this glowing orb, and um, summons and there's the guys who summon these dark demons. And I, I'm really struggling to to sort of uh, get across how funny it is. <laughs> but you know the tagline for the mm, get how surprising it. that you are struggling <laughs> to get that across. Yeah, but it's it's hard to discuss how how funny it is when a lot of the, the you know, without spoiling it, when there's a lot of the, the, the funny bits in the film, just, you know, someone being hit with a ball, and it's it's kind of like if you compare it, I'm not going to say it's as good as, but something like a, a Charlie Chaplin film, you know, and it, it's, okay, it's full of slapstick, and there are people being hit with things, people falling over stuff, um, but it's not in the same kind of way as something like, um, you know, a Will Ferrell film. It's more subtly woven into into the comedy. There's a beautiful choreography to it, Owen. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, they, they do get that, you know, like a Jackie Chan film. You know, they're not great, his, his more recent Hollywood films, but there is a certain charm to the, the, to the, to the sort of humour that's tied into the choreography, like James says. And I think Stephen Cho is, is a master at doing that. Um, although, it, you know, humour in it is quite mature at times. Um, He's a very mature director. I think he knows exactly what he's doing. He doesn't make many mistakes. Um, and it's also, I think, quite a good tribute to football. <laughs> you know, they, they, 
obviously make a lot of fun of it, but it's also there's some mm, tributes to it. Like I say, they they appreciate that it's you know a well respected game and they don't try to make too much light of it and they, they appreciate that it's quite a serious game and um. The other thing I just want to say about it as well, before you watch it, I don't know whether this might have influenced Jerry. There are a few different versions of the film. So there's a US version of the film, which cuts out so much of the more serious bits of the film to make it just a, you know, just a slapstick fest. It doesn't, it doesn't actually get in some of the subtleties to that. But the original Hong Kong film, which is about, uh, it's, well, it's closer to two hours than 90 minutes. I can't, can't remember exactly how long it is. Which actually, the whole film just flows better. So maybe maybe if you've seen the uh, cut version, Jerry, that might explain why you don't think it's that funny. I don't know. But, um, I yeah, don't I, know what version it was that I saw, but it wasn't good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. I think it's quite an easy, quite, you know, a simple comedy. and Yeah, I, I quite like it. But I do like Steve Chow. I thought Kung Fu Hustle was very funny as well. Should I go on to my next film? Yeah, yeah, let's go for your final choice. Failing with that one, aren't I? Okay. My final film isn't a comedy. Uh, and also, like I mentioned with Rocky, I thought it might have been a bit of crossover. I've gone for The Wrestler. I don't know if anyone else has picked that. I've not picked it, no. Almost did. And also ran. Because I thought... This one would be more of a technicality, really, whether people thought wrestling was a sport or not. Um, I, I, yeah, it's I, sport, I it's sports it's entertainment, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but no, I, I, I would never begrudge uh, a film about a wrestler being in sporting movies, definitely all, not. All the wrestler missed, really, from a wrestling point of view, is The Rock or Shawn Michaels. And <laughs> other than that, it was fine. <laughs> one of the things I heard about The Wrestler, just before I talk about it, was that Hulk Hogan thought the film was based on his life. All I can say to that is I reckon Hulk Hogan has never seen The Wrestler. (laughs) (laughs) Or pays any attention to his life. Exactly. (laughs) At what point is Mickey Rourke living in a mansion making uh, TV series about his own life and stuff? I I have no idea. But anyway. Pimping his daughter out to the MTV generation, yeah. Yeah. But Okay, so it's Darren Aronofsky's... um, Aronofsky's film uh, about Mickey Rourke, who's uh, Randy the Ram Robinson, who is a, um, let's say, a failed professional wrestler. He's now amateur wrestling, doing um, circuits in his local area. And he basically has a very shit life. (laughs) Um, It's a very touching uh, drama. You know, the relationship that he has to his daughter that he never sees, but he wants to see. His relationship to this stripper who's actually nice to him and tries to make a girlfriend with her, get a relationship with her. You know, it's very serious. It's very, um, it's just full of drama, but it's, it is very well made. It's, um, it, it kind of makes you smile at times. There's, there's certainly no massive, you know, laugh out loud scenes to it. But it, it's there's a lot of humour to it. There's bits where they're like sat at the bar, him and his stripper, who he wants to he wants to go out with, and um, they're just talking about old times, talking about music that they're listening to, and having a bit of dance. And he says something along the lines of, uh, you know, the music was spoiled when that pussy Kurt Cobain came along and ruined it for everybody. There's, <laughs> there's, there's stuff in there that's 
yeah, they really captured this kind of character, how you, you know, you can imagine him to be. But there's, there's some scenes in it which are so epically, just visually brilliant. I mean, things that, that the use of sound for the film is incredible. There's a bit where he's working um, in just this supermarket and he works at, in the butchers and he's um, walking towards the, the curtains where they go out to the counter. And in his head, he can hear the chants from crowds, like they're chanting at a wrestling match. And, it's, and then he, as he just walks out into the shop, it's just sort of this anti-climax of, you know, build up. And it's just so brilliantly shot. I mean, the, they use the, the shot of, you know, over his camera, uh, over his, with the camera over his shoulder quite a lot, and it follows him about. Um, but it's used, well, I mean, it's, it, it's probably one of the best shot films I've seen. I think it's it's really good. I didn't didn't struggle to pick this one in. I've left it till last in my triple bill. Yeah, such a good film anyway. The amazing thing about it as well is it was shot really quickly and it was made for a really. It wasn't like five million quid or something they made this film on. Yeah, it's it was like... really really comparatively low budget. Um, but no, I, I absolutely loved it. I couldn't I couldn't leave this one out when we were discussing this triple bill. Thought it had to go in there. Uh, James. What films made your list? Okay, my list. Um, I'm going to start, not in any particular order, but probably, yeah, yeah, it, it goes in reverse chronological and I think they get better as they go along. But I'm going to start off with, um, from last year, uh, Moneyball, directed by Bennett Miller. Um, interesting actually, uh, Capote was his only other feature film before this. But yeah, Moneyball, the story of, Billy Bean, the, the the manager, general coach of the Oakland A's, handicapped by the lowest salary budget in the uh uh oh goodness me, what are they called the baseball league again? <laughs> NBA? Uh, it's, it's not NBA, is it? That's MLB. Basketball. MLB, no. thank you very much. Yeah, um so he he turns to stats to get a competitive advantage. They have to release all their big name players. Um and he uh comes across a, a guy working for another team, played by Jonah Hill, Peter Brand, who is the subject of the book Moneyball. Um, and it's the story of this baseball team putting together a team of outcasts and underachievers who go on one of the longest unbeaten streaks of all time in all baseball history. I think they do actually... I, I think they beat the longest ever unbeaten streak. They don't actually um, go on to achieve like decades of success or anything like that, but it's this amazing sequence of wins. Um, Brad Pitt is really charming in it. Brad Pitt's fantastic. Jonah Hill, it was the first time I think that we've seen Jonah Hill and gone, oh, God, he can act actually. He can, and he's, he's really good in this. He plays the kind of the shy, geeky type but he does it really, really well. The script is fantastic. It's, it's co-written by Steve Zalian, who has written numerous brilliant films, and Aaron Sorkin. And in a way, it's a little bit like the uh, the social network of baseball. Um, Aaron, uh, Aaron Sorkin managed to make a really interesting film out of some guys fighting over an internet startup. Uh, and a lot of the social network is actually quite, it could be tedious in the wrong hands, uh, but his snappy dialogue really keeps the film going at a pace. And it's the same with Moneyball. There's some really, really brilliant snappy dialogue going on in this film. Keeps the film going. Um, 
not only have you got Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill, you've also got Philip Seymour Hoffman, who you could actually argue is quite underused in this film. He isn't in it very often, but when he is, absolutely fantastic. It's a really... The great thing is it's based on a, a true story. Uh, and the film is actually very close to what actually happened in real life. But this true story has so many parallels of some of the great sporting fictions of all time. Um, the very fact that um, they put together a team of underachievers, loose cannons and stuff like that. It's, it is like Mighty Ducks. It is like Escape to Victory. It's that they put together a team that shouldn't win, but somehow they do kind of thing. Uh, and that's the greatest bit about this film is that you are just drawn along by their story. And I, I love the film. It's so brilliantly written and it's wonderfully acted. And it was a shame it didn't get more praise, I think, at the time. Um, so, yeah, Moneyball. I don't know if anyone else has seen Moneyball. No, I've not got round to it yet. Yeah, I'm the same. I've I've got it there waiting to be watched, but yeah, it's never it's never oh, quite yeah. managed to to reach the top of my list. I'm afraid. No, I do want to see it though because it did get a lot of praise when it came out, and um, well, I don't really know much about baseball, but I was told that actually you don't really need to know a lot about it. That's the great thing. You you don't anything you do need to know. They explain in the film um, in quite snappy Sorkin dialogue. Um, the whole thing is, it, it, there's one thing, they, they just want players who get on base. They don't want players who hit loads of home runs. They work out that the way you win matches is you get on to first base. Uh, the teams that win matches get the most people on. So they just find players who get on to first base and they don't care about it. It's like they think, if we get that sorted, we'll get everything else. And that's literally the only thing you need to know. And the great thing is, in real life and in the film, Billy Bean got really, it was almost superstitious. He didn't go and watch the matches. So quite a lot of the time when these matches are taking place, you're looking a bit, he's not even at the baseball ground. He's like listening to it on the radio. So you really don't need to know too much about baseball. Um, if you know, if you've watched American sports films, you'll know what's going on basically. Um, so yeah, that's my first choice. My next choice is from 1996, directed by Cameron Crowe. One of my favourite films ever, to be honest, is Jerry Maguire. Um, I, I, I've always loved Jerry Maguire ever since I've seen it. Tom Cruise plays the the sports agent, Jerry Maguire, who develops a conscience right at the beginning of the film. He writes a memo about how they need to have less clients. They need to treat their clients with more respect and have more um, have more contact with them. And what ends up happening is basically he ends up losing his job at a massive sports agency and he decides to set up on his own, takes Rennie Zellweger with him, who is uh, an office junior at the time. And it's got one of the iconic scenes of 90s cinema, I think, that a lot of us remember. Uh, brilliant scene where Jerry Maguire's trying to speak to all of his clients to get them on into his new company. And he ends up speaking to Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character, um, who keeps him on the phone and makes him beg to go with him. And it, it's the whole show me the money. Um, and it's just this fantastic, it's Cameron Crowe at his best, this fantastic scene where um, Jerry Maguire against an entire corporate agency fighting for the clients. And Jerry, he gets two clients. Um, and then he ends up losing one of those as well. And then it's the story of a sports agent and his one athlete that he's got 
who is one injury away from losing his career uh, and therefore Jerry's career as well. It's there's obviously there's a, a love story here. Jerry Maguire, uh, Renny, um, played by Tom Cruise, um, Renny Zellweger's character, beautiful young kid at the time, played by Jonathan uh, Lipnicki. One of those young kid performances that you always go, God, I wonder what ever happened to them, kind of thing. Uh, I don't know what he's gone on to do since, but he's fantastic in this film. Um, it's it's a lovely story. And it, it, it's really, it really kind of like warms your heart. And the, I think the, the key relationship in this whole film is between Tom Cruise and Cuba Gooden Jr., who Cuba Gooden Jr. won his Oscar. And I think it's one of the few brilliant performances of his career. He's done a lot of trash in the last 15 years, but fantastic performance in this film. He plays it beautifully arrogant, cocky. And, and, and basically everything about this film, I love. I love the morals behind it. I love how it wants us to be better. Uh, it's a very optimistic film, and it says, you know, as a society, we can be better. And there's these great little bits of advice given by Jerry Maguire's old, now sadly departed mentor from the time. He gives little bits of advice, um, and Tom Cruise is as charming and lovable as ever. Um, I, I think it's probably Tom one of Tom Cruise's finest hours in this film. Great soundtrack. It's just a film I can sit down and watch anytime it's on television. And quite often, if it's not on television, I'll just dig out the DVD and put it on instead. Is it oh. is it wrong of me to say that I thought Jerry Maguire was a bit shit? Oh, I'm disgusted. Disgust. What 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 did what did you find wrong with it? I'll, I'll have it out with you now. It was just a by the numbers, <gasps> a little bit nice. Tom Cruise. I, I hate Tom Cruise, so you well, already fight a losing battle once Tom Cruise that is in the film. Help. But it was just. Uh, don't get me wrong; it's not a bad film by any means. I'm not trying to say that it's a bad film. It's just it, it's not worth the uh, it's not worth the praise that it gets. It's just Tom. It's just Tom Cruise being Tom Cruise, and there's I some kind of predictable romance element which dominates the film. I thought actually the, the romance part of it was way more important to the film than the sporting bit. I'll say I, I didn't read it that. Way. To me, the key relationship is Tom Cruise and Cuba Gooding Jr. and Cuba Gooding Jr. helping him help himself. It's uh, and Cuba Gooding Jr. discovering his own vulnerabilities throughout the film as well. Uh, and his family, his family are fantastic in it. Oh no, I. I will have to agree to disagree with you there, Jerry, but it's, it's, it's a, one of um, films. real average meh kind of film. <sighs> it's an arrow to my heart there, Jerry. Well, the fact that you like Tom Cruise is an arrow to my heart. So. <laughs> the man is you pure know. box office. I love, I could, Tom Cruise is one of those actors like Nick Cage who can make some terrible films, but I don't care. I, they are a massively engaging screen presence for me and I will always watch them on screen. I'm not saying he's an amazing actor. I just think he's a brilliant film star. In the same Harrison Ford, 
I don't think he was ever a brilliant actor, but I will always watch him on screen. Henry Fonda was a brilliant screen star. There's so and many brilliant screen stars. Tom fucking Cruise. Oh, uh, he's, he's, he's just a, a smug a, little bellend. He's nah, got he's a brilliant, syndrome. He's a brilliant movie star. I'm, I'm going to have, we're going to have this outside later on, Jerry. Tom Cruise is pure box office. I, I, I love watching him. If, when we watched Rock of Ages, he was the best thing in that. And, cause he's Tom Cruise. I'm not, I'm, I, I'm not going to, I think he is a good actor. I think he's done some great roles. I'm not saying he's an amazing actor, but I do think well, he, he always is plays a great kind, He's the kind of actor who can make an all right film good. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Owen. Thank you. Yeah, Jerry. So, he makes War of the Worlds into a good film because of. No. Oh, no, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I do like, I do yeah. like Tom Cruise. Yeah, thank you. Anyway. I, oh, most people seem to like Tom Cruise. I just yeah, think he's a, a short ass prick. I, I completely. Te- <laughs> in, I'm not commenting on his real life persona. Weird Scientology guy. Oh, well, that, that yeah. just makes it even worse. Yeah, no, but no, I, I genuinely he he holds the screen for me. I think he's he's one of those who is larger than life, which is helpful for him being very short on screen. <laughs> So what's say, the, he needs to be fucking large. Yeah. What's your final choice? My uh, final choice uh, is, I toyed with the idea of Rocky, um, but then I realised there is a boxing film that is even better, with actually a lot less boxing in it, but it's um, it's probably an obvious choice, but Raging Bull. Crossover. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, now we can sit down and agree on something, can't we? Um, yeah, Scorsese's 1980. Oh, yeah. What, what, what can't you say about Raging But We can't say it's shit. Um, but it, I think it's, you can't, you won't be saying it for more than a couple of minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think it's De Niro's best ever performance. Um, I've, there are other films of his that I maybe just prefer slightly to this, uh, Godfather Part Two, Goodfellas. Um, but in this, he is incredible and it is pure method as well. The, the, the shape he got himself into to play Jake LaMotta and then the 60 pounds he added to play late era Jake LaMotta. There's no prosthetics there at all. He's actually that fat playing late era Jake. It's incredible to think the sacrifice he, you can't help but watch them thinking, Oh my God, what an incredible performance. Joe Pesci is as his brother, it's a really understated performance, actually. It's really interesting. Joe Pesci was on the verge of giving up acting at this point and going back to, I cannot believe this. I need to see if there's any footage about it. He was in some kind of musical double act at the time. <laughs> and he was on the verge of going back to that until Raging Bull kind of helped make him start. It saved Martin Scorsese's career, who had, had a cocaine overdose, nearly died, and De Niro said we should make this film. But that's talking about the outside of the film. Um, the film itself uh, is just incredible. It's portrayal of boxing as a, just a really brutal sport was brilliant. Um, I think it helped that it was in black and white. It's very stylized in places. The, wouldn't you agree, Jack? The, the fight sequences are brutal, but really stylized. They're not trying to be kind of photorealistic like Rocky was. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the striking things about Raging Bull is that it, it, you know, it manages to, like, 
be brutal without ever being shocking and horrible and making you no. want to turn away, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's, you just see how hard it is. How, literally how punishing having your face being smashed in, but in the in the name of everyone's entertainment can be. I think, and I think that's why the fact that it's in a boxing ring means you can sit there and go, right, I can sit and watch this person getting their head kicked in, basically. Um, but you you wouldn't think, if it was down a dark alley, you'd think, oh, that's a bit gratuitous. But because it's in a boxing ring, you go, I know this happens. Um, a lot of the, the non, and I think there's only about five minutes of actual boxing in the entire film. Um, and it, a lot of it is about the, the actual character of Jake LaMotta, what it takes to be a boxing champion. Uh, is it, it just the, the paranoid aggression that is present in almost every scene of the film. You, it drips with it. Um, you always, you always see Jake LaMotta played by De Niro just on the verge of completely losing it. And you can, you can sense that tension in his character on screen. Like I said, it is one of the best acting performances I think I've ever seen. I think it's De Niro's best. Um, yeah, agree. It's in, totally it's in agree. black and white almost entirely. Which and which just looks fantastic as well. And some bits of it are very neo-realistic, and it almost seems like Scorsese's just set up a camera and told them to go, uh, and that works really well. It's beautifully scored as well uh, by. It uses all pre-recorded pieces by a, a composer called Pietro Muscagni, which. I think some of his pieces became more famous because they were used in Raging Bull. Obviously, Raging Bull has spawned loads of homages and things like that. And it's really weird when I hadn't watched it for years and I watched it again this week. And then all of a sudden I got a load more kind of cultural references that I might have seen in something like The Simpsons or something like that, which I think we've mentioned that before, haven't we? The more films you watch again... Uh, or for the first time, you go, oh yeah, that that makes sense. That kind of thing. Um, I've just on my notes, I've just seen there's ten minutes of actual boxing in this film, but it's only two hours long, and it is the just the most brutal portrayal of a sport I've seen, and also De Niro's best piece of acting. I, was, I, I don't know if I'd say it's Scorsese's best film. I still, for me, Goodfellas is still his best film, but this is just in, an incredibly powerful piece of film. And it feels like a piece of cinema rather than a film. Yeah, compared to Rocky, and I love Rocky, having only seen it for the first time quite recently, loved Rocky, but this just feels like such a heavyweight, excuse the pun, piece of work um, compared to something like that. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to have to add one more thing. Do you know yeah. that they're making a sequel of this? Yeah, I've heard about this because Jake, Lam- Jake LaMotta has got more of his life he wants to tell and he's sold the rights to it to basically <sighs> who have yes. got nothing to... But I have also heard that, um, I don't know if it's universal, someone has put a court injunction in place because the studio who made Raging Bull have should have the first option on any future Jake LaMotta film and apparently he's just tried to settle a bit of his story so it may well get stopped in the courts from being made um, which I'll be honest I'm not one to begrudge uh, he must be 90 now 90 year old man earning a bit of extra cash but at the same time please don't piss all over this please <laughs> well 
I'm going to move on to my list. So I'm going to start off with Any Given Sunday. Nice. Obviously a, a massive all-star cast directed by Oliver Stone. You've got Al Pacino, Cameron Diaz, Dennis Quaid, Jamie Foxx, James Woods, and others. It's what a lot of film, sports films will do is struggle to show sport at the very top level, which is obviously what any given Sunday is trying to do, in a sort of realistic or any kind of, you know, get it right. I mean, you get quite a lot of sports films where it's focuses on, I'd say, grassroots sport, and they're varying degrees of quality, mm. but this is showing sport at its highest level, and it's actually getting it, you know, obviously there's some dramatic license and everything, but it's getting it quite right, if that makes sense. Yeah, and and it's got Pacino in. Yeah, so. who's got one of the greatest movie speeches of all time yeah. in the in the, the film. inch by inch speech, yeah. which was nearly in my greatest ever movie mm. speeches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, you know, as well as that, you get quite a lot of American football in there. So it's actually, you know, some sports films that do that, like you mentioned with Raging Bull. It obviously doesn't detract from how good a film Raging Bull is, but there's not much boxing in it. There's quite a lot of football in any given Sunday, but it's all you know. I suppose it's got to be as choreographed as well as any kind of step up for Miami Heat. Mm. If you know what I mean, it's got to be the sport, the moves, everything's got to be choreographed perfectly. It's not like they've not done what like Dream Team did and just superimpose a, a, a Harchester United kit onto Wolves or something. <laughs> they've actually gone out there and got the players to do the actors to do what yeah. you know. But yeah, it is just sort of an an epic film, an epic sports film, and an epic film. Yeah, no, a nice. Again, it was among my also runs mainly because I love Pacino so much. But mm. it is a really well made film. I had a lot of also runs. One of them <laughs> definitely wasn't a shot of glory starring Robert I'm Duvall just, and Ali McCoist. I'm just reading that. You sent me the link. I'm just reading that right now. It sounds amazing. I can't believe um, Owen didn't watch it for his Michael Keaton challenge. <laughs> I, I have I have seen it years ago, and quite how Robert... Why? I, I, <laughs> because when I was about 12, any film with football in it sounded good to me. It wasn't. Wait, it's got Brian Cox in it as well. Yeah. Jesus Christ. How's Robert DeVoe ended up playing like a lower league Scottish football manager? How has Ali McCoy got an acting role? <laughs> an acting credit. I know. As an um, ex-Celtic player. I'm just waiting to see. You, you've not got When Saturday Comes with Sean Bean in, have you? No. That's oh, all right then. That's okay. God, <laughs> just, God no. And, and can, oh, I'm just assuming there, there isn't a good football film yet, is there? I, I, I can't, apart from Escape to Victory. Well, speaking of Escape saw. to Victory, <laughs> mind you, I, w- I will argue that Mike Bassett, England manager, is a good football film. It's oh, okay, it, yeah. it's very funny and it parodies a lot of what is wrong with English football and the FA yeah, fair very enough. well. But it didn't make my list. But Escape to Victory did. I couldn't anywhere I made a list. I couldn't leave this film out. I mean, it's, it's brilliant on every level. Um, it's loosely based, in fact, it's loosely based on um, what is has been dubbed the death match between sort of Dynamo Kiev and German soldiers. Mm-hmm. Um, in which the the Dynamo Kiev players were told pretty much to lose by the occupying German forces, but they didn't. And then apparently they were all shot after the game. 
but some have survived. If you want to know more about the actual fact, I'm no, I don't know how you guys feel about plugging other podcasts, but there's a podcast called uh, Stuff You Missed in History Class, and they've recently done one on the death match. Focusing oh, cool. on that, oh, that's, so that that's that's definitely worth a listen. It's a good podcast as well. Um, but yeah, it's obviously loosely based on it because Sly Stallone is the goalkeeper. Michael Kane, <laughs> yeah, Michael Kane is the manager. Pele, Ozzy Ardiles, Bobby Moore in the team, alongside Mick Summerby and Russell Osman, and the rest of the Ipswich side. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing everyone who listens to it, or most people who listen to this, have seen the um, film by now. But it's you know just in the prisoner of war camp, the players play football for entertainment, whatever you know, in their free time. Um, they end up getting challenged to a match by the guards, which then escalates into a massive propaganda thing for the German, well, for the Germans. Um, but then Sylvester Stallone, then it's seen as a, well, with him as the American POW, it's seen as a chance to escape for the whole football team. Um, and they get the chance to escape at half time after the French resistance tunnel into the bath. And they end up saying, no, because they've, they say, no, we're not going to escape. We're going to go back out there and win it. Um, and they don't. They draw four all. <laughs> and they don't get all killed at the end. No, the the crowd invade the pitch and huddle them off. Bit of yeah. bit of interesting trivia. Apparently, um, Gordon Banks was the coach for Stallone for this film. Apparently, Stallone found it harder to train for Escape to Victory than he did for Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> And it, Actually, and 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 Stallone wanted to score the winning goal, and then when the the penalty save was put in, to sort of appease his ego, I'll say he could have because, his moment of glory. Yeah, because right. because they sort of said no, a goalkeeper wouldn't score the winning goal. So he they could put have the based pen- himself yeah. on a Schillerbear. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, the acting isn't too bad, is it? Considering a lot of them are footballers. Yeah, oh, it's <laughs> a great film. It is a it's enjoyable film. on every Real level. You film, can't yeah. feel you can't feel bad at the end of watching Escape to Victory, no. can you? It's just one of them films, though. You think as football's getting more and more popular in the states, you just sort of get this horrible little feeling that it's going to be remade. Yeah, it will at some point. Just just get Beckham in it, and it, and it'll be fine. Yeah. You could probably get Michael Caine like as a manager, as the coach, rather than a player. You can really yeah. shoot one in back into it. Stallone will go in goal again. I mean, if he can do if he can do Rambo and Rocky, he can do he can do a turning goal. But no, that's I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't want to do it. It, it could be it could be a team of footballers on mm. a cruise who get um, kidnapped by Somali pirates and have to play their way out. So you've got to think of it in a, either that or they're in Iraq. Or so. it's going to be dark. Actually, they'll yeah. probably be torture. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's just I couldn't leave it out. Any any sporting list of films, this has to go in. It's just brilliant. Even though none of the acting performances are particularly amazing. Oh, I can see why I put it in, Steve. Um, my final choice uh, was Cool Runnings. Uh, we've, we've someone on Twitter said Cool Runnings. A, yeah. bit, a bit more of a fun option than the others, although it does have its sort of moments, especially at the end. Again, I'm guessing everyone's seen it, when the bobsleigh kind of crashes and they lift it to walk it to the end. Again, Cool Run is based on a true story of Jamaica entering their first team into the Winter Olympics and they based it on the idea of track sprinters. Obviously, when we're recording this, we've recorded it just after the Olympic 100 metre final 
Jamaica have got a lot of very fast track sprinters. And you can see the method in the madness yeah. of getting them to, to, to be push starters for a bobsleigh team. But yeah, it's just, you know, fun film all the way through, but it's got its other moments as well. Oh yeah, yeah, no, it's, um, it's, it's, it's a classic. A, it's a great Disney feel good film, actually. Yeah. yeah. And there's a handy bonus. It's on daytime TV, like most of the time. So yeah. If you ever feel like watching Cool Runnings, it's always available. <laughs> it's one of the films that you can probably watch that much and not really get bored of it. I think I have seen that film over ten times now. Yeah. In my life. It's still it's still pretty entertaining. It's got John Candy in it putting in a great performance as well. One of his final performances as mm. well. Which is, you know But I mean it's he, all in, he is not in good shape in that film. No. Let's put it that way. I mean he wasn't in the best shape through much of his career, but he's definitely no. not looking it it's also deals with sort of things like the embarrassment of um like the Jamaican team not being very good at the sport and the Olympic people not really liking to it and taking to it and even sort of the film hints at a bit of a racial issue where when John Candy walks into sort of the Olympic boardroom and goes, I didn't realise four black guys in a bobsleigh could make you blush. Yeah. I, I, interestingly, I'm I'm just looking it up now. Um in real life, the other teams were actually very supportive. Uh, and one of the other teams even lent them a backup sled so they could qualify. That's, that's, that's what happened, wasn't it? In the film, John Candy's character manages to sort of wrangle a backup sled off of some, you know, one of the other teams, one of his old mates to yeah. actually but no, be able to do they're, it. They're, they're actually quite supported mm. by the international community in real life, but yeah. that doesn't make for as good a film, does it? No. Jerry, <laughs> let's move on to your list. <laughs> Okay, my three, as I've said, I've already, I went for Raging Bull by James. Um, that was probably going to be my number one choice because I think it's, it's, it's a lot more than a sports film. Um, and it really shows how much sport affected his life. Yeah. Um, and that is kind of the theme going through my second one. I mean, I, I realized actually when I was doing this that there are a lot of sports films out there and I am a massive sports fan, but I'm not actually that big into sports films. Like, there's a lot of American films about basketball and baseball and football. I just, I've never bothered watching them. Like, Coach Carter and all those kind of things that everyone seems to watch. That I just, uh, doesn't appeal to me as much, which is quite interesting because I will probably sit down and watch pretty much any sport if it's on TV and I've got nothing better to do. Um, I found as well when I was making my list that combat sports seem to lend themselves to movies a lot better than most other sports. So, you know, we've had The Wrestler, we've had um, Raging Bull, uh, there's, there's things like um, The Fighter, which is recent, there's Warrior, which is also recent, which I know James hated. Um, <laughs> you know, the, there's a lot of, of boxing-based films that have come out, and, and obviously the archetypal classic one is Rocky. I just, it was, a, it, was a, it was a dead heat, basically, between Rocky and Rocky IV which connoisseurs of Rocky will, will realise is the ultimate battle between the the two uh, two best Rocky films. I went for Rocky IV purely because it's got Ivan Drago in, and he is one of the best characters in film history. Um, for those of you who are like James and haven't seen Rocky IV... No, I've, I've got the Rocky box set now. I got the, I picked up the Rocky box set for a fiver um, it's a good couple value. of weeks ago. Yeah, I know, I'm quite excited now. Um, so I'm going to try and watch Rocky 2 this week and I'm going to try and watch one a week now. So, yeah, but I've still only Rocky. seen Rocky at the moment. Yeah, I only saw Rocky this year for the first time as well. Oh, but so... I have got Rocky 2 to watch, so. Yeah. 
Oh, we'll, 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 we'll swap notes after that. <laughs> Rocky Four, anyway, uh, won't give too much away for obvious reasons. That um, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it for these guys and for any of you who, for some reason, are like these freaks and haven't seen the Rocky films. <laughs> um, Rocky Four is basically the tale of Rocky played by Sylvester Stallone, and he is up against a Russian machine. Uh, that's the only way I can describe him of a boxer. Uh, called Ivan Drago, who is, of course, played by the quite wonderful um, Dolph Lundgren. Uh, there's all the usual caster in there, Carl Weathers, Bert Young, Talia Shire, all that kind of thing. There's also Bridget Nielsen does a turn as Lud Miller. It's just a great film. It's real. Um, you know, it uses the Cold War a lot, but it also sort of turns it around a little bit, and it's not just... There's a lot of stereotypes, there's a lot of cliches in there, but also it's it's got quite a good message to it. Um, it's a bit propagandaish, but also good propaganda, not just you know go America, go team kind of stuff. Um, it's just a brilliant film, and it has the greatest montage in the history of cinema, which is the 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 bit where Rocky moves to Siberia and grows a beard and trains in the Siberian wilderness with like logs and stuff. <laughs> oh, it's just it's it's magnificent. Steve will back me up on this. Come on, Steve, that that's yeah. gotta be the greatest montage ever. One of, if not the best. So yeah, that that my criteria for that is the, the Rocky films had to feature somewhere, and that just about edges Rocky as the best Rocky film, in my opinion. So that's why it went in there. Trying not to just pick three boxing films because you know I like the I like the fighter. I, you know I like a lot of a lot of boxing films. I could quite easily have picked three Rocky films, to be quite honest with you. Um, my third choice is the one that I was saying is possibly a technicality shall we say. Um, you're going to have to allow this one because I can't think of anything else. Um, <laughs> it's The Big Lebowski. Which is oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've... Technically, yeah, the whole on, thing, the central, the central <laughs> thing, that the thread that binds them all together is bowling. Yeah. So I thought, you know, it's a sports film. That the, whole thing, that the whole thing revolves around bowling and interactions in a bowling alley. So... If you class bowling as a sport, which Sky Sports do, because they occasionally show it. Oh, the Weber um, Cup. I get well excited when the Weber Cup rolls. The Ryder well, Cup of temp in bowling. When they've all got their funny little gloves on and sparkly, glittery bowling balls. If you want a good... I, I, I honestly think Kingpin is a good bowling film, but well, that's that when the Farrelly thought, brothers were good. Yeah, you see, Kingpin was there. If the, the Big Lebowski was going to be disallowed, I was like, right, well, I'm still having a bowling film. You can have yeah. Kingpin. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Big Lebowski is a great film, obviously. Yeah, uh, it, well, yeah, it's as much about bowling as I'm going to say that Owen's Brewster's Millions is about baseball. So I've, yeah, I was say, I've set a precedent. Millions, you can have that surely. I've set a precedent there, haven't I? So yeah, we'll have to allow that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just a great film. I mean, regardless of the sporting angle or anything, it's just a fantastic yeah. film. It's, oh, it's just magnificent. any old excuse to talk about Big Lebowski. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you haven't seen it, sort your life out. Go and watch it. It's it's magnificent, and the the dude, the dude abides obviously, and um, the dude is just uh, one of the greatest characters in cinematic history. He's just fantastic. Um, obviously, you probably tell that I'm a big fan of of all the Coen Brothers films, um, but I think that is probably the best one. That and Fargo really are, you know, just superb films. And, and Jeff Bridges is just phenomenal in that film, and John Goodman is 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 really good as yeah. well. Um, 
also, if you, uh, can you remember Steve Buscemi? And that is 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 another fantastic term for yeah. Steve Buscemi. Back when he had that really good period of, oh yeah, the usual suspects. Um, he did uh, Big Lebowski, obviously, and, and he had a fantastic few years. Actually, he did Con Air around that time as well. I yeah, think. he did. Yeah, um, he you know he did Fargo, obviously. Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, yeah, uh, he did Pulp Fiction. You know, the nineties were pretty good for him actually, if you think about it, you know. When was Armageddon? That yeah, was ninety nine ish. Yeah, he did Armageddon as well, yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he was, he was on a good roll there, yeah. Nineties were a good decade for Steve Buscemi. He was um but yeah, he's he's fantastic in that film as well, and everyone in that film is pretty damn good. Yeah. Um you can't really fault anyone actually in that in that film. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman again just turns up and just does some wonderful things, even when he doesn't have too much to do. Do you know what I mean? He's yeah. The film is magnificent. Go, go if you don't know what I'm talking about, then just go and watch it. It's one of the best films ever. Um, and wow, well, I don't really have much else to say. It's not much of a sporting angle I can discuss. They like bowling. They go bowling. That's about it. Yeah. That, so that's my sport in three. Um, I would also like to give honourable mentions to Caddyshack and uh, Mag- the magnificent Happy Gilmore, which was on TV. Caddyshack and Happy Gilmore, but if I was, go- I was really close with both of those as well, actually, because Happy Gilmore's one of the few Adam Sandler films I like. It's just hilarious. It is genuinely very funny, uh, but Caddyshack is a genius, to be honest. But I-, I went down the more kind of serious sporting route, but. Caddyshack should have been in my three, really. You know, yeah. I, I, went, I went serious as well. I think I think Caddyshack and if we were going to do top three sort of comedy films with sports, that would definitely be <laughs> two of them. Yes. I found this triple bill the hardest one that we've done. Just because, really? like Jerry says, you know, trying to think of sports films that I've actually seen, I really struggle yeah. with. And then oh, picking three, three of those that I actually really you know, enjoyed or would say were some of my favourites. I just, I was down to the bare bones picking these ones. Oh, that's interesting. Because I found a few that I wished I'd had time to watch. There's one, especially, it's on Netflix at the moment called Eight Men Out, which is about the, um, the, uh, the, uh, the Chicago Black Sox, I think it is, uh, the 1919 team who threw the World Series and things like that. So I actually ended up with adding films to my list to try and watch to see if I could um, oh, see yeah. some more sports films, I mean, but I had I had enough. I definitely had enough to go. Um, there's a few others. In fact, we had a few interesting ones on Twitter. Um, at Nathan Human, first of all, said, "Does Running Man count as a sports film? Because it's a kind of sport <laughs> oh, right. in there." Yeah. Uh, but he said, "If not, then he'd definitely go for Cool Runnings." Um, at Ashton Phil said, "Love he loves a good sports film so many." He said, uh, "Bull Durham." Mean Machine, the original, not the shite Vinnie Jones version. Uh, he also said Rocky and Raging Bull as well. And then at Mr. David J. Watts said his favourite sports film is probably Radio, which I'd never heard of. And I've looked it up. It's got Ed Harris and Cuba Gooding Jr. Um, a football coach befriends, befriends radio, a mentally challenged man who becomes a student at a high school. Uh, and radio transformed from a shy, tormented man into an inspiration for his community. It looks very uh, kind of blindside. I think it's based on a true story. They all seem to be. Um, so, yeah, that that's that one there, if anyone's interested. So we've got a few others. Um, 
about a few big ones that we didn't talk about, um, like Ali, for example, a few other fighting ones. But it was interesting. I did have a look at, um, I did have a look at like lists to help me. I always do this. So I did look at a few publications, um, top 50 sports films, and I did find myself clicking through quite a lot going, actually, there, there aren't that many great sports films. I think there's a, a de- there's a good number of decent sports films, but you're right. I think for something that is, you know, sport is emotion and drama and action and sometimes comedy in real life. Sometimes it, do- it seems to be more difficult to make that into a film because it's already there. Like some of the best sporting events I've been to, I wouldn't want to see a film made of that because I, I've seen it in its purest form. So maybe that is a bit of a problem. I don't know. Yeah, possibly. I mean, like I say, I really struggle. But I also didn't want to talk about Million Fucking Dollar Baby again. (laughs) I've mentioned that on every podcast. But Didn't stop (laughs) Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, um, no, yeah, like I say, it's just really difficult. And I looked at some lists as well. And I had a short list that I'd drawn up of films that I could pick. And I'm, I was looking through it and thinking, there is some awful films on there. Uh, and there are films on there I haven't seen since I was like a young kid. You know, mm. White Men Can't Jump, I thought was quite good. Or Space yeah. Jam or something. But they're, ki- they're films I enjoyed. Oh, when I forgot was like, Space Jam. I can't believe it. <laughs> and th- we went through that entire section without a single mention of Mighty Ducks as well, which is... Well, absolutely well bloody criminal because they are <laughs> genuinely good sports films. Yeah. Oh, I think I might have considered putting them in if I wasn't absolutely certain that Steve would have picked all three of them. I know. <laughs> uh, especially the second one with the whole uh, Olympics thing going on there as well. The second one's uh, the best by miles. Yeah, the third one's a little, when they get a bit older, go to a private school and stuff, not so keen on that. The but... third one's just got the bit that annoys me that I've explained loads of times I'm not going to go into now. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah. Second one, it, it's Steve. Gen- I don't think you've ever mentioned this before on this podcast. No. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely, I don't think you've ever brought this, these films up or any of the potholes in them. What's um, <laughs> what's next week's triple bill? So yeah, next week as part of failed listeners' week, uh, next week we are going to be choosing. It's been suggested by our listeners. We're going to be choosing our favourite sequels. Uh, no caveats. We're not saying that these sequels are better than the original or anything like that. It's just three sequels that we really bloody enjoy. So that's next week's failed listeners. So hopefully our listeners out there, they'll they'll be able to give us a load of ideas as well. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 